Hi, everyone. This is Abhishek from shakethecosmos.com. My guest today is Vitaly Lomakin, and I am excited to talk with Vitaly. Uh, we met through a mutual friend. And again, if you're listening to this episode right now, hit that follow button or subscribe button. Also, if you want to give it a rating, give me a rating. That helps me appear in the organic research results. And I'm really excited to talk with Vitaly today because he joined the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering in September 20, uh, 2005 at UCSD. And I'm just, I, I'm happy, I'm excited to learn about the research side of things as well. And he's received his master's in science degree from Kharkiv National University, Ukraine in 1996, and his PhD degree from Tel Aviv University, Israel in 2003, both in electrical engineering. And while completing his PhD dissertation, he was an instructor in the Department of Electrical Engineering at Tel Aviv. He worked part-time for Xelent, an Israeli high-tech company. In 2002 to 2005, he was a postdoctoral associate and visiting assistant professor in the Center for Computational Electromagnetics at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. His research interests include analytical and numerical methods for studying electromagnetic fields and complex configurations, as well as applications in these methods for the analysis and design of novel devices and systems. He teaches core undergraduate level courses in electrical engineering and electromagnetics and assists in the development of a graduate sequence in the electromagnetics and optics. Well, really pleasure to have you on the show, Vitaly. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Awesome. <laughs> well, I hear you've been uh, doing some uh, yoga recently as well. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what kind of changes have you noticed uh, within with trying some of the yoga that you, you're, you're doing? Oh, I, uh, in short, yoga is great. <laughs> I, I, I do have a lot of experience uh, in life in doing sports uh, until maybe the age of 25. I was engaged in, in um, more or less two sports, uh, running and boxing, mostly boxing. Uh, and I did a lot of sports. So I, I, I'm a pretty athletic in general, uh, but I've never done it. Yoga and actually, uh, before more or less half a year ago, I considered yoga as uh, being something slow and uh, I thought not in interesting. Uh, then I tried it and I tried it and I tried it and I and then and that's it. I'm I'm completely hooked up now. Uh, we do it every day. Uh, now uh, one hour every day in the morning and also uh, maybe 20 minutes before going to bed. Uh, and uh, it really made a change in, in how I take my body. Uh, I really can say that I can feel my body right now and I couldn't before. Uh, basically, I know where my fingers are, where my toes are, and, and I can feel and know how to position them. It's, uh, that's how I feel. And, and this is a, a, in addition to feeling my muscles and being stretched and just feeling great in general. Wow. Well, I appreciate that and how you, you're finding yoga to be an uh, addition in, uh, to, in your lifestyle as well. And in terms of what you, what you do, is you're, you're actively involved in a lot of research uh, as well. And 
you know, would love to kind of understand a little bit more about that world. So like what, what, um, how did you get into research? Um, and, uh, you know, just so somebody who has no idea what, what that is. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I would say uh, it started from my high school. I kind of say it was really research, uh, but I was involved. Uh, my, my, my dad uh, had a, a business, kind of electrical engineering. He was an electrical engineer, and I, I was involved in his business, basically building stuff, uh, building some automatic automated systems at the time. It was not, these were not computer systems, but some automated systems, actually making them. Uh, then uh, two of my uh, uncles uh, uh, are professors um, in, in Russia. Uh, and uh, at the time, I was uh, looking up to them and uh, thinking, oh, wow, I, want to be, I would like to be a professor. And my dad said, I remember, uh, you know, just being a, an engineer is great, but I, I, you, uh, I would rather you, you being a professor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, and then when I went to school in Kharkov, in Kharkiv, in Ukraine, uh, more or less, I thought I, I would be, be a professor. Uh, yeah. And that's how it started. And then at school, I, I, I did pretty well. And then at the end, maybe my fourth year, I started started being engaged in some research. This is a professor who was great. Um, uh, his, his last name is called Chigin, a great guy. And so I started doing that research and then little by little, I, I published papers. And then I wanted to go to Israel. Uh, actually, that was interesting. Uh, I did my dissertation, a master's dissertation, in a particular area uh, in which I used uh, papers uh, by a professor from Israel. But at the time, and I really loved the, the, those papers, uh, the na his name is Ehud Heyman. I really loved his papers and enjoyed them and really just loved them. And then when, when I was moving to Israel, one month before going there, I learned that uh, he, he was from uh, from Israel, from Tel Aviv, where I was going. So it was a, this kind of coincidence. And then I, I came and I said, you know, I, I want to be your student. And, and then I started my PhD programs there. Have you? And that's how it started. Have you found that to be a theme? Um, to be a theme where it, it, there is this community of research. Uh, people who around the world, like you, you were a student and then you reached out to somebody in Israel uh, about, is there a connection uh, when it becomes in the world of research? Yeah, everybody actually is connected. Uh, we do similar kind of work. We have to interact to learn from each other. And it, it's like a community, like in, in our particular community, we go to conferences. Well, now with COVID, we don't. But uh, but uh, typically we would go to maybe three, four, five conferences a year. We would all meet. Uh, all these communities, these are great people, very interesting people. So we interact. Yes, there is uh, there is this this kind of com community. Yes. So, and um, yeah. yeah, and and the doing research is um, something extremely interesting. And being a professor is very interesting. Yes. What 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 makes it so interesting? Like I I wonder like, yeah. What it, what what do you find so interesting uh, in the research? Uh, 
Uh, first of all, because uh, there is no uh, boundaries, it's more or less, it's, uh, it depends on you, it's up to you. Of course, there are boundaries of um, science and physics and maybe laws of physics, but I mean, there are no boundaries of what you can do. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's up to you, basically. You come as a young guy, say to UCSD, UC San Diego, or to any, any, any university, and uh, you are always on your own and just go. And you just, if you come up with ideas, you start investigating, and then a little by, by little it leads to something new and exciting. And, uh, and it can be, you, you may start from one area of study and evolve into something else. Uh, and again, there is no limit. Wow. And that is extremely interesting. I, I've never <laughs> thought about it that way, but that, that makes so much sense. Is there, is there an example of something that in your work or you have seen in research that you felt like, oh, wow, yeah, like they really question the boundaries of research and... Yeah, I, I might give an example, maybe a few, but uh, maybe one example that just comes to my mind uh, at, at the moment. Uh, so we had this project uh, with um, uh, another professor from our department, Professor Shai Feynman, amazing person. Um, so it was a project supported by DARPA on uh, uh, making the smallest laser ever. Uh -huh. And the project started from more or less nothing, just uh, submitting a proposal of how possibly we could make such a device. That was ba basically based on ideas that we know from the microwave engineering and possibly transferring them to optics, but we had no idea if it would work even. And uh, we, uh, we got the grant funding, we need funding for doing research. Uh, and uh, we worked, we worked, we tried, and we, we maybe failed a little bit, and then we tried, and then it did work. So from just an idea, uh, to having some uh, developments, analytical and uh, conceptual developments, to some numerical tests and verifications, and then to experiment done by uh, by, by by Professor Feynman, uh, and then we did uh, we made actually a laser, which was the smallest laser at the time, and actually maybe it is still is the smallest laser, semiconductor-based laser. Now. In the future, hopefully, these devices will be used for integrated uh, uh, photonic chips as uh, small laser sources. But it started from basically nothing, from an idea. And it is extremely fulfilling and satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just an idea of a small laser, but it didn't exist. And it existed after so long. Yeah. You mentioned like there were these failures that happened at, during the research. Uh, what keeps people going? Because, you know, it sounds like there are multiple failures, maybe, you know, iterations or um, that happen during research. What motivates, you know, somebody to... Yeah, uh, first of all, even when you, have, when you fail, it's interesting. Just knowing how you fail is also uh, knowledge. And also, in, in fact, uh, it, it's good to be able to both to build something and break it. Even um, so, I'm, my uh, uh, research field is more so, uh, software and developing codes and then uh, simulations. But like when we develop a code, uh, we, we want to be able to 
model sounds on the Turans is called to model a device, but then uh, you, we also want to be able to know what parameters to put such that the simulation breaks and to control, you don't know how it breaks and to learn from that. So I guess uh, when you, you have a failure in your research, it teaches you how to do better next time. And I really see this connection also to, uh, to life in general. If you have a fail in life somewhere, you should take it positively and just say that it's an experience. Yeah, I, I appreciate, I mean, this, this mental model of uh, learning from failures. Uh, and I, I guess, so, um, but like, how, how are the, as, as in the research, as the failures are happening, how did like the students handle it as well? Like what are, what are, like is, uh, how can they be, how, can, how do they support? How do they feel supported? I, I think at least my students, I love all my students. I, I, when I say students, I, we, uh, I might want to separate them into undergraduate students who take classes and into PhD students who do research. They also take the graduate level classes usually. And so I'm talking about the graduate uh, students, the PhD students. Yeah, of course they, they do fail in certain sense. But uh, it, uh, in my experience, everybody is super positive. Everybody is, is doing well. And yeah, just like I'm saying, of course, uh, the role of an advisor, of the advisor is to support and assist and explain. And, but it's mostly the students who, who do the work, usually. And I would say most students just understand the game and, uh, and learn. <laughs> Do you, do you feel this game of research, this game of, uh, is, is it changing? Have you seen it evolve uh, over the years uh, in your time that you, you've been doing uh, research? I, I would say uh, fundamentally, I don't think it's, it, it, it's changing really fundamentally how people are. I don't think the nature of people is changing too much, at least from what, what I would say say uh, but of course uh, uh, how the research is, is going and what we do of course is uh, is involved yeah yeah interesting that's fascinating so like what is what is day-to-day -day like for for professor um you know you know like i guess now it's of course very very different within this in this COVID situation but what is a typical day <laughs> Uh, so, so uh, as a professor, we, we have more, like roughly speaking, three kind, uh, uh, kinds of work. Uh, it's teaching, research, and what, what is called service. So teaching is kind of clear, right? We, we teach, we, we, we give classes. Research is also clear. And, and, and service is uh, reviewing papers, uh, maybe serving on various committees. Um, Yes, so that, that's that's what is called service. So maybe organizing conferences. Um, so so more, more or less, your day is is split maybe in these three areas. Uh, we don't teach every day, uh, but still you may want to prepare for some classes. Uh, depending on what classes, uh, maybe every day depends. Um, so so let's say if you have a class and you teach that class, uh, then you interact with uh, with students. Uh, both with undergraduate students for classes and with uh, graduate students or PhD students for research. And then you do your own, uh, your own work in research, which means for me, for example, 
uh, I, I, I do some mathematical maybe derivations. I sometimes I just sit and think, uh, and uh, I, I, I do I write a lot of uh, codes, mm. like numerical codes. Yeah, uh, and 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 then uh, you do reviews, basically you read the papers, say and say say, and and write a report if you like it or not. If it can be published or not. And then you do some, uh, you serve on some committees. That's basically what we do. So there is um, uh, a nice thing is, is that it's not structured in that you don't have to be at work from eight to five. Uh, you kind of go with your schedule, except of classes, of course, classes are scheduled. Uh, but then it also means that you work all the time. Mm. You, 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 because if you do not have structure, then you work. <laughs> right. Yeah, unless I, you do sports and maybe you go somewhere, but otherwise you basically work all the time. What What have you found helpful? Uh, because you're right. Like if it's it's not nine to five, it could you could kind of just work all the time. What have you found helpful to kind of keep a balance uh, between the things? Mm, it, it's the thing is that working for me is not working, but enjoying actually. Mm. So in this sense. Uh, in in fact, if, if something not so pleasant happens, actually I don't remember when <laughs> it happened, but but let's say something not so pleasant happens, uh, I often would just uh, not even even not telling myself consciously, but unconsciously, I would just not think about that particular unpleasant thing, but would start working on something interesting. Wow. So you can always find something interesting to work on. So I. I, I it's kind of rock, but also not so much rock. I so, appreciate this. I mean, I, I, I never knew the, like how much layers there are to research. And in terms of like uh, applying some of the research that people do, and you know, I think you mentioned you were maybe at some point an expert witness uh, in in a case. Uh, how did that come about? Like. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. So we talk, I remember we talked about that. Yeah, uh, it's a, an expert witness in a criminal court, actually. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that was a, an interesting experience. It so in, in courts, uh, whenever things happen, right? Uh, sometimes um, there are certain technologies that can be admitted or not admitted in court. And it has a lot of influence on the, uh, it may have a, a significant influence on the decision because, it, you know, if it can be admitted that a person, say, was in a particular place due to a particular indication from a technology, then uh, it's a big deal. Uh, but then uh, how do you know? So the court by itself cannot know. It should be established. Uh, so it is established through an expert. And then they, uh, the court can establish that, that a particular person can be an expert in a certain field. Like for example, I did work in electromagnetics, acoustics and, and magnetics. So I, I could qualify as an expert in these areas if there is a technology related to that area. So that was how it went. So I was invited and they qualified, qualified me. And, and then, uh, yeah, I kind of made the, my expert opinion if that technology can or cannot be admitted. Uh, one thing actually that I, uh, that was interesting to me, so when I uh, came there, when I had this uh, this here uh, for the first time, uh, I came prepared with uh, various references. You know, when we write a paper, we, we, we cite references. 
you know, to, to have justification to various things that we do. Let's say you do some research, you don't do everything in your paper. You rely on some knowledge. So what is that knowledge is a reference, right? You cite it. Um, so I prepared uh, papers with citations, with references and all that. Uh, but then the judge said, no, we, we don't really need that. Once we establish you as an expert, you are the reference. <laughs> wow. That was, that was interesting to me. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, it sounds like still like spending time in research can then make somebody like an expert in, in that one particular topic that could be useful in other parts of life, like um, yeah, maybe mm -hmm. uh, the legal system, but there's also, I guess, business. Business could also be a place for research. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so I'm in the department of electrical and computer engineering. So engineering and engineering is used in uh, in industry. So I mean, in, uh, there is a lot of engineering in industry. I mean, and uh, um, Yes. So if you take uh, various people in our department and other departments, you can see that uh, uh, people have companies, uh, actually Qualcomm, you know, Qualcomm started from our department. I did not uh, know that. I did not know that. Yeah. My professors from our department. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, there are many companies that uh, people uh, open and start. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one aspect. So you, you, you could have a company sometimes, um, and in, in general, if you are a full-time professor, you cannot really have full-time in, engagement with a company, uh, but some people can take one or two years off and, and work with the company, or uh, they, they can be, again, experts, uh, consultants. Uh, this is an, another uh, uh, kind of way of doing business. Uh, and also, we do a lot of research projects with companies. Uh, also, uh, like large companies and also small companies uh, do a lot of research. Sometimes their research is, uh, I mean, not sometimes, many times, is at the same or, or might be even higher level than at, at a, a university. Uh, like our PhD students actually go to work in those companies to do research. And uh, those research projects are extremely interesting. It's, you see how what you do applies to a technology, and then if what you do goes into technology, you kind of can see the impact. That is uh, that is also very interesting. Yeah, I mean, do you, the impact of uh, of the research uh, is interesting as well. I guess, uh, but it, I mean, uh, I guess, uh, how do you measure impact uh, of something? like research, uh, where, um, or how do you think about that? So, so uh, there are even ways of measuring impact, which are implemented sometimes in promotions, <laughs> like even numerical numbers sometimes. <laughs> and uh, so one way in terms of academic research is to see how many times your paper has been cited and how many times and how many papers have been cited a certain number of times? Because, you know, if somebody cites your paper, that means that they use your results. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then uh, for me, uh, in, in code development, I, I would consider the impact is how many people, how many companies use your, your codes. Because, again, they use the codes and uh, they use it for something 
useful and for maybe improving some technology that's an impact or may, maybe uh, people also write patterns uh, if your pattern has been used like uh, we have people in our department who have like amazing patterns which uh, which are used or will be used by companies so that's a big impact right um yeah that's i mean i think it's i mean this this uh, or, or, or say if your idea goes into technology again mm. yeah basically if it uh, impacts or affects other people's lives more or less yeah that's awesome i mean yeah and it's uh especially with the just the mindset of having no boundaries when it comes to research uh is amazing and how maybe the impact also is uh sort of uh maybe another example of kind of going from an idea to a device uh, in uh, uh, there is a particular phenomenon which is called spin transfer torque it's like electrons uh, can uh, can uh, spin like kind of rotate uh, around the orbit in, in a particular uh, in, i mean it can be say left or right just in, in a simple way and it's called spin and, and then you, you can have current which, which gets spin polarized and can affect little magnets switching them and uh, and this this kind of uh, effect uh, was predicted in 1996 uh, but that can be used for magnetic memories and and now uh, magnetic memories are, are being shipped what is so, magnetic memory? Is that something like in our phone or like uh, where would I see a some, magnetic in, memory? In, in some of, uh, in some might be, I don't remember, but it just started. It's, uh, okay. it's, it can be used for certain, uh, for certain devices, but it just, uh, it's very new. And you know, the hope is that it will, it will be, become the mainstream for many devices. Wow. Uh, but it's interesting that it started from an idea in 96 and, and then it's like what 20, say 24 years later, there is a device. Like from theory to the device in twenty in twenty years, more or less. That's fascinating. It's, it, it, it sounds very interesting. Well, and you know, and just impactful. the applications of it. Maybe it's a better is it is maybe a better storage device or a better light. Yeah, yeah. It it uh, it has some advantages in terms of storage. It's it's something that is called non volatile storage. That is, if it goes into your computer memory and you say uh, turn uh, the power off, the memory actually will stay. Not forever, but more or less practically forever for you. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to have that in my computer. <laughs> you will. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, so it, as you think about some of the research that's ongoing in your, in your industry, what's something that you're really excited about that you know, kind of feels like it's, it's going to be really something cool in the next 10, 20 years, uh, as you think about trends? Uh, hmm. Well, uh, I, I would say uh, well, uh, some things that we already know, um, there are certain areas like in engineering related to say 5G. I just uh, recently was on an exam and uh, uh, to me it was very in the PhD exam. To me, it was very interesting what they do there in terms of antenna development and system development. Um, then, uh, uh, in terms of, um, I, I'm involved in the subject of magnetism, nanomagnetism. Uh, again, uh, new kinds of memory. That that would be very interesting if if it goes into products and if it can maybe improve them. 
then, then again, uh, small lasers and, and integrated systems. Say if you can integrate photonic uh, systems with um, microwave systems uh, and like cartridge systems in terms of uh, transfer, uh, information, transfer information and also processing. So I would kind of like just on top of my head, I would say, I would say that those things are interesting. Well, I can, I, that, I mean, that's going to be fascinating when some of those technologies come out of research and become part of daily life. Also in computing, actually. Um, so in, in the past, you know, you would run your simulations on a single core. Then maybe you would have a computer, computer system system, um, uh, many processors like parallel computing. Right now, of course, we all know there are uh, multi-core systems. And there are massively multi-core systems like graphics processing units, but then they develop into um, they kind of evolve into a very com complex systems where you kind of collocate uh, graphics processors and the central processors, and um, just all these developments into computing systems uh, are very interesting. And uh, like in terms of uh, developing codes which we, we do, to me, it's extremely interesting because uh, there will be some breakthroughs and, and differences, I believe, in the future. Wow. Of course, there is something that's called neuromorphic computing. So we, we have some center uh, uh, on, for neuromorphic computing in our department. Um, it, it, it's managed by, by, by professor in physics. And... Uh, uh, I'm not sure in his name. Uh, so, and uh, there, uh, it's new paradigms in terms of computing. So this would be uh, potentially not just a numeric, um, discrete processing, but some processing which is related to how our brain works. So the question is, can we develop system and design systems uh, such that uh, we can do comp computations in a different level possibly much faster and or with much less uh, energy because wow. our brain is is, is amazing at uh, i don't remember exactly i think it's like 10 watt only something like that i, hmm. I forgot uh, but it, it, the process is amazing so the efficiency is astonishing wow. so the question is if, if you can do something similar on, on the device level it, so it that, becomes that is cl closer to the brain um efficiency <laughs> Yeah, maybe, uh, but, but there is this whole area of neuromorphic computing, mm. uh, and um, it's it's not directly related, but this is related to artificial intelligence also. And wow. um, yeah, so all, all these areas, I believe, will will be developing very fast, and well, they're excited. That's awesome. As as we're wrapping up here, you know, really appreciate you sharing these trends. And what would be your you know suggestion, like uh, for somebody who wants to get into research or uh, you know, is listening to this and, uh, what would be your, your, uh, lesson to them? Uh, yes. First of all, everybody is invited. I really do think that, uh, this area is fascinating and great. And, um, uh, especially if we have here people from uh, students from high schools, I really encourage them to basically just go on the a university website. Look at the website, look at the faculty members. Um, and uh, if you have an interest, just write emails. Oh, wow. Hey, I, uh, my name is this and this. I like science. Can I join your lab 
just for a summer project. I cannot do some internship. Can I do any possible projects? That is extremely helpful and, and useful for, for you. And that, uh, that is also uh, helpful in terms of getting to the school later and basically understanding what it is about. Wow. Yeah. And then get a foot in the door and then see what research is about. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Thank yes. you. Yes. I, I really do think it's very helpful. Awesome. Well, really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this was such an exciting uh, thing to talk about. Yeah, sure. All right. Okay. Thank you very much for inviting me. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week 